Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday, Election Day. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
Tuesday morning broadcast that comes from the Solomon Brothers, Om Dod Hayu. Oh, Yeshama done by Eitan Katz, Yehud Nigun Hasulam, Navashlomo Katz. Yassi Green's Naseh, Nafshi Lashem done by Yehuda Green, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Tuesday. Happy anniversary, Stacey Siegel. 29 years on today, November the 6th. We got married the night before Election Day, Monday, November the 6th. And um, as Rabbi Kanelsky mentioned yesterday during the show, (laughs) 
I had this experience of trying to get to the Lubavitcher Rebbe on the 5th of November um, with my father during New York City Marathon Day. One of the most inaccessible places on Marathon Sunday is Crown Heights, one of the most inaccessible places uh, because of the closures all across, literally across, like a line across Brooklyn. Uh, you can go through Marathon Sunday and be completely um, you know, unaware of the marathon. Or you can go through Marathon Sunday and be completely aware of the marathon. So that, that's what that day was like. Anyway, happy anniversary, Stacy Siegel. All of you who see her today, make sure to wish her the happiest of anniversaries on this uh, 29th anniversary. In fact, it was uh, funny. I spoke to Rabbi Kanelsky on Sunday. Next year is the... Um, next year, what did he tell me? Next year is the 40th? Does that make sense? I believe it makes sense. Next year is the 40th of um Bris Avram has a has a massive wedding planned uh, wedding for religious freedom planned for 2019 celebrating 40 and I said Tim we'll be celebrating 30 so we have significant uh, milestones coming up uh Tuesday morning with 52 degrees outside 97% humidity winds in north at 4 miles per hour thunderstorms today with a high temperature of 68 then tonight partly cloudy a low of 50 tomorrow mostly sunny a high temperature 62 Yerushalayim right now at 62. We're at 52 in New York City as we wake up here on a JM and AM Tuesday morning. Uh, again, I'm looking with um, just amazement at this four-page Mishnah booklet that was um, produced by our friends at Chabad for the Shluchim Conference this past Sunday in memory of those who uh, were victims of the Pittsburgh Massacre on Chai Cheshvan. And um, it, it just it just amazing as I said yesterday, the and I learned this again Sunday night, but it's something I've known a long time. The Lubavitcher Rebbe truly had love for every Jewish man and woman. Uh, he considered them his brothers and sisters, and he considered himself responsible for them. Um, and his shluchim and shluchot continue to. Uh, operate in that tradition, which is just amazing, really amazing. 6.31, Tuesday morning broadcast, JMNAM. Rabbi Ron Eisenman is going to join us today. He'll be in studio with the book Shul with a View. I'm also told that uh, our friends at the Flam Winery are going to be stopping by. Flam, F-L-A-M, out of Israel. And um, we'll have a chance uh, at about 8.35 this morning to check in with Shlomi Werdiger, chairman of the Aguda. It has been announced, one one twenty on the 4th of Teves, right after Hanukkah, at the very beginning of 2020, a year from this New Year's Day, uh, the Siyam Ashas is scheduled to take place where? At MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Very curious about this decision. Shlemy Werdiger has agreed to uh, come on the air with us and discuss it. So that will be coming up at 8.35 this morning right here at JM in the AM. Should be a very interesting conversation. Today is election day. Today is election day. I don't know how how else to put it. Today is election day. And that means that all of us have a responsibility to make sure to vote, have our voices heard, engage in the process, 
and let's hope that public officials who have our communities in mind and have the safety, security, and future of uh, everybody in the United States in mind will emerge victorious later tonight. Should be. I said to someone, who did I say this to? I said to someone yesterday, this is going to be a very interesting election night result uh, result evening. Yeah, I don't know if it'll take as long as the presidential election did <laughs> to find out the results, but uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. More coming up. You are listening to a JM in the AM Tuesday morning again on this election day. So if you have not yet voted, and I bet you you haven't yet, in New York, you've only had a half hour. I think I know who already voted in New York. That I can tell you. I, I can name at least one or two people who have already voted in New York. Um, but chances are where you are, the polls aren't even open yet, but they will be soon. Um, so everybody out there at some point today, make sure no matter what state you're in to vote and to be part of the process. It's Election Day in the United States. And I believe it's Election Day in Yerushalayim. Is today the day of the runoff for mayor? I believe it is to check that out anyway more coming up you're listening to jm in the am Oh, 
everyone, and it's really nice to be back at Hask 26. Oh, 
Great brand new music out there, to say the least, and that's uh, among them. It's a single done by David Perlman. Nice job, called Modim here at JM and the AM. Uh, before that, you heard Eighth Day with Bring It Home, also brand new from an album entitled Stronger Closer. Literally just came out, became available to everybody, I believe, yesterday. Eighth Day, brand new. Again, that's Bring It Home from the album entitled Stronger Closer. One Heart, that became our theme down in Pittsburgh with Yakov Shweki off of the Musica album. You heard the oldies medley from Mordechai and David, a time for music 26. And Odi Shama, a song written by Yitzhak Goldschmidt, sung by Kolachai, and written for our wedding, uh, for Stacey and my wedding uh, 29 years ago tonight. A good memory. Kolachai with Odi Shama here at JM in the AM. Tuesday on this November the 6th, the 28th of March. Everybody out there remember to vote. <laughs> Excuse me. Everybody out there remember to vote. 
After all, it's election day, and every state is a key state, and every election is a key election. Checking out the NSN, Nahum Single Network uh, app, and the comments on the app this morning. Um, first of all, as you would suspect, we have uh, a shout-out from Atlanta. Atlanta says, good morning, come see us, get out and vote, the rabbi says. Um, JM from Teaneck, who I don't think we've heard from in a while, says, how have you been, Nahum? Are you voting for Governor Cuomo today? Good question. Good question. Who will I be voting for? For governor, for senator, for uh, city council, for state, uh, senate, and uh, assembly races? It's a good question. Make sure you know the answer before you head to the polls. By the way, those of us in New York, the propositions are on the flip side of the ballot. And there's some interesting recommendations. But I know there's a campaign finance reform proposition. There's a community board proposition. And the third one... I forget this moment. Also, some type of special committee uh, proposition in terms of adding more personnel. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, varied opinions. I know you can't have too many varied opinions. It's a no or a yes. I get that, but there are a lot of, a lot of different things I've been reading about in regard to those um, in regard to those proposals. So check them out and to get ready to make a decision if you're here in New York. Reminder that tonight's the One Israel Fund dinner. Everybody at the One Israel Fund, including Scott Feltman, is urging everybody to make sure to vote before you come to the dinner. The One Israel Fund dinner is tonight, again, happening in lower Manhattan. And the One Israel Fund, number one, wants you to be there. Get your reservations in and make sure to be there tonight. But in addition, make sure to vote before you come to the dinner. Good recommendation. Our Yeshiva League sports update is coming up. We're going to get Elliot Weiselberg on at around 7.20, which is our usual time for the Yeshiva League Sports Update. But in advance of that, because I neglected to play the initial Yeshiva League Sports Update of the season at the proper time last week, sometime after 7 o'clock, we're going to start with last week's report. Then at 7.20 this morning, get into this week's report. So I figured it's the least I could do for Elliot with all his hard work. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world of web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. on the background. with we'll our news from Israel coming up. I believe it's Election Day in Yerushalayim as well. I think today's runoff day, so elections all around. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Tuesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMN. Galitzal Yerushalayim, ראש השב"כ נדב ארגמן מצהיר בוועדת החוץ והביטחון כי הוא מתנגד לחוק עונש מוות למחבלים של שר הביטחון ליברמן. מדווח כתבנו לענייני צבא צחי דבוש. רק הבוקר הודיע שר הביטחון ליברמן שחוק עונש מוות למחבלים אותו הוא מוביל יעלה להצבעה בכנסת אחרי שלוש שנות הקפאה. כמה שעות בלבד אחר כך ראש השב"כ ארגמן הודיע בדיון סגור בכנסת כי הוא מתנגד לחוק נחרצות. במערכת הביטחון מתנגדים באופן עקבי לעונש מוות למחבלים. יגביר את פיגועי הטרור ויגרום נזק רב יותר מאשר תועלת. לפני זמן קצר הודיע גם חבר הקבינט, השר יובל שטייניץ, שהוא מתנגד לחוק. ניסיון פיגוע דקירה בכפר אדומים. חשודה ניסתה לדקור שוטרי מג"ב בתחנת דלק. הלוחמים ירו לעברה ונטרלו אותה. אין נפגעים לכוחותינו. נקבע מותה של האישה שנפצעה אנוש בתאונת הדרכים בצומת עכו. 
כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שארבעת הפצועים שנפגעו בתאונה מטופלים בשעה זו בבית החולים לגליל בנהריה, בהם ילד בן חמש במצב קשה. בארצות הברית נפתחו עמדות ההצבעה לבחירות אמצע הכהונה. תושבי המדינה יוצאים היום כדי לבחור את הרכב הקונגרס. כתבת חדשות החוץ, מאיה רכלין. יותר מ-35 מיליון בני אדם כבר הצביעו כחלק מההצבעה המוקדמת, ועשרות מיליונים יצטרפו במהלך היום ויכריעו איזו מפלגה תקבל את השליטה על בית הנבחרים האמריקני. האמריקנים יבחרו את המייצגים שלהם בסנאט, בקונגרס, וגם את המושלים המקומיים. זהו מבחן משמעותי לנשיא ארצות הברית טראמפ, שאמר אמש, כל מה שהשגנו עד עכשיו עומד בסכנה. ואצלנו עופר ברקוביץ' תוקף את משה ליאון המתחרה בו על ראשות העיר ירושלים ואומר בריאיון לרינו צרור הציבור לא מעניין את ליאון, אלא רק דילים. אני שומע כמה הוא חושש, אני שומע שהוא גזר על עצמו שתיקה תקשורתית, הוא בעצם כבר לא מדבר עם הציבור, הציבור בעצם לא מעניין אותו, כי רק הוא עסוק בדילים ובעסקנים. אם צריך, אני גם מוכן להגיע לעימות מול גפני או דרעי, כי אני מבין שההתמודדות היא לא ממש מולו. משה ליאון מסר בתגובה. בייאושו, עופר ברקוביץ' עובר ממציאות לפנטזיה. המועמד שהדיר לא מכבר את החרדים, מבקש עתה את אהדתם. תגובת ליאון. מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, ויוסיף לרדת גשם מקומי. אלה החדשות שעורכת טל זרביב.
JM in the AM with Eitan Freyla, who is scheduled to join us tomorrow, I believe, here at JM in the AM. There he is with a brand new album, and that's called Ivdu here at the JM in the AM. The brand new album is Peace Will Come, Yavo Shalom. All right, as I mentioned, I wanted to play the uh, Elliot Weiselberg um, um, a contribution to last week. I want to play his uh, Yeshiva League Sports update. Uh, that kicked off our season last week, and they get into today's Yeshiva League Sports Update. This is because I mistakenly did not play the Yeshiva League Sports Update last week at its proper time, so I apologize for that. So now, with last week's Yeshiva League Sports Update that kicked off our season of Yeshiva League Sports Reporting, here is Elliot Weiselberg on JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. With only a few days left in October, all leagues in the MYHSAL have hit their stride with key matchups taking place in every sport. Straight ahead on the Tuesday morning JM the AM Sports Update. Kushner JV Hockey takes two from across the river, a measure of revenge in varsity hockey, and some pretty nifty scoring efforts in varsity basketball with many not enough to pull down a W. Good morning, I'm Elliot Weiselberg. We'll start off in varsity hockey, where we last left off in March with the SAR Sting running away with a 5-1 win over the Frisch Cougars for the championship. Last night, the two would meet up to kick off their regular seasons, with the needle flipping the way of the runners-up to begin the 2018-2019 campaign. Junior Elliott Eisner and senior Arie Bloom put the Cougars up 2-0 in the second period, and Eisner would add another late in the third to put away a 3-0 shutout victory for Frisch. Senior Isaac Markovitz posted the clean sheet in net for the Cougars. Other varsity action over the week, senior Sammy Simcha posted a hat-trick for the JEC Thunder in a 4-1 win over the North Shore Stars, and Rambam took wins over Solomon Schechter and Magan David to stand atop the East at 2-0 in the early part of this season. Moving over to JV Hockey, earlier in the evening, the Sting would jump out to a 2-0 lead midway through the second. Freshman Zevi Mel and sophomore Boaz Khan, the SAR scorers, but the Cougars would battle back. Sophomore Ian Bromberg would put one home in front at the 6.37 mark of the second period to trim the lead to one. The score would remain that way for a full period. Just after the six-minute mark of the third, though, the equalizer as sophomore Jacob Bornstein slammed home a laser from the point to tie the game at two. Neither team would score in regulation, and there would be no winner in overtime, with the game ending in a tie 2-2. In other JV hockey action, the Kushner Cobras have started out their 2018-2019 campaign by firing two shots across the river, winning their two cross-conference games in early season action. After a resounding win at home over North Shore, the Cobras traveled to DRS last night to battle the Wildcats. DRS took a 1-0 lead midway through the second on a goal by sophomore Kyle Siegel, but sophomores Eitan Kanan and Jason Singer would tilt the board in Kushner's favor. An empty netter late in the third would seal the deal, keeping Kushner a perfect 2-0 on the early season. Also, TABC opened their title defense with a 3-0 win over Ramaz. North Shore bounced back with an 8-5 win over Flatbush, and Rambam blanked Mag and David 3-0 on two goals by freshman Sam Corman in the victory. Moving over to basketball, the Frisch Cougars have jumped out to an early 2-0 record, taking another 10-point win, this time defeating SAR 53-43. Senior Max Meyerhoff scored 19 for the Cougars in the win. He would tie with SAR's senior Judah Oppenheimer for the game high, although his was in a losing effort. 
Also, another double-double for senior Gabe Plotzker, as Kushner got their first win of the season, downing Ramaz 69-61. Plotzker's 16 points and an astounding 26 rebounds kept the Rams at distance, despite talented sophomore Spencer Rubenstein's game-high 17 in the losing effort. Out east, the high-water scoring mark of the early season belongs to Shari Torah junior Jackie Haber. Haber scored 32 points for the Stars last night, albeit in a losing effort. Seniors Eddie Linser and Jack Rosell led the way for Flatbush with 16 points each to drop the Stars 59-55. to Finally, in JV basketball, defending champion TABC Storm have pulled out ahead to a 2-0 start, knocking off Maor and Westchester. And that was your Tuesday morning jam in the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. All right, that was last week's update because I, I did not remember to play it at the proper time, and usually it's Tuesday at 7.20. So we figured we'd start this half hour by playing last week's, the inaugural Yeshiva League Sports Update of the season. And then in about, oh, I would say seven, eight minutes from now, we will play you this week's Yeshiva League Sports Update. I want to thank Elliot Weiselberg for filing last week's report and, of course, for filing today's report and good luck to everybody who's already started their yeshiva league seasons we'll do this one brand new from eighth day and then continue with more and plenty of sports here at jm in the a.m
باشون تاریم خیر پرد ناسای ماری هر نینو گاییم گاییم هم میدم مواد و هیم گایی به نکنی آشون یاشون تاریم خیر پرد ناسای ماری هر نینو Jam and the AM from Rogers Park. It's a song called Harninu. All right, so now, because we've gotten close to the regular start time of our Yeshiva League sports update, now we can get to today's report with Elliot Weiselberg. Elliot Weiselberg, our sports editor, pays careful attention to all the sports, but especially hockey and basketball. And we remind everybody out there, anybody who has anything to do with a school or team, etc., uh, to always tune into the Yeshiva League sports update Tuesday mornings at 7.20 right here at JM and the AM. And with this week's edition of the Shiva League Sports Update for this Tuesday election day, we turn to Elliot Weiselberg at JM and the AM. Thanks, Nachum. The first week of November brings with it Yeshiva. All right, and of course, <laughs> for some reason, we have a problem with our. Sports update. Let's see if we can get it going. First week of November brings with it Yeshiva League action taking place both in and out of the metropolitan area. Straight ahead on the Tuesday morning jam in the AM sports update. Results from varsity basketball tournaments in both Memphis and Los Angeles. DRS remains undefeated in varsity hockey and the first battle of the birds in JV hockey takes extra sessions. Good morning. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. We'll start off in varsity basketball where two tournaments took place this weekend. We hit the road and head south to Memphis, Tennessee for the 2018 Cooper Memphis National Invitational Basketball Tournament where, after a one-year hiatus, the Cooper title has made its way back to the metropolitan area. Last year, the Northeast region was shut out of the finals for the first time since 2011 with the title being fought over by two teams from California. This year, the top-seeded Mag and David Warriors decided to right the ship, rolling over the competition, which included a convincing romp over the upstart 11-seed Rochelle Zell Tigers, 81-55 in the finals. Junior Albert Nasiri and senior Raja Jadi outscored the entire Tigers squad on their own, with Nasiri dropping 38 to help ice the victory for the Warriors, giving them their second tournament win on the early season. The point total would propel Nasiri to second in points scored in the tournament, one of three New York area participants to place in the top five, with Rombaum's Aaron Azos taking home the scoring crown and Flappish's Jack Rosau finishing fourth. 
Rosau's Falcon squad would make it 2-for-2 at Memphis, bringing home the Tier 2 championship with a 56-44 win over Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School. Out West, the Steve Globerman Annual Basketball Tournament took place with a not-as-successful showing for the Yeshiva League participants. The SAR Sting were one of five New York, New Jersey participants in the tournament and were fortunate to stand above the pack and make it to the finals where they would face the Shalhevet Firehawks. Their luck would come to an abrupt end with Shalhevet opening up the game scoring the first 13 points en route to a 64-23 victory for their hometown Firehawks. The Shalhevet duo of Zach Muller and Asher Dower were awarded co-tournament MVP honors for their accomplishments. Back home, Gabriel Kahn's 20 points led DRS to a 61-47 win over North Shore and hanked down YDE 51-44. Switching gears to the hockey world, the DRS Wildcats remained perfect at 3-0. Wednesday night, DRS traveled to SAR to meet up with defending champions in what has seemingly become an every-year showdown between the two schools. The Sting would jump out to a quick lead early in the first, but it would be the Wildcats having the last laugh, scoring three straight unanswered goals to keep rank with Hafter as the only undefeated teams left in the East. Twenty miles south of Riverdale, the Rambam Ravens and Flappish Falcons met up in the first Battle of the Birds matchup of the 2018-19 season. In the JV contest, the two teams would require overtime to settle the bill, with freshman Sam Corman netting the game winner his second for the Ravens in a 3-2 victory. The varsity tilt looked destined to head to an extra session as well, before late-game heroics sent the home squad to victory. After junior Jonathan Itzhaki gave the Ravens a 2-1 lead on the power play goal in the second, Flatbush would get a tally 50 seconds into the third from senior Ezra Dweck to not the score at 2. The game would stay square until just under two minutes to go in the third, when Flatbush junior Marty L. would break the tie, and it would also add an empty netter to give the Falcons the 4-2 victory. And that was your Tuesday morning jam in the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. <laughs>
Sechez Zena is a brand new single done by Benny Friedman. Big shout out to our friends at Bedford on Park. I want to remind everybody that they are in the center of Manhattan and they're getting ready to plan all of your Thanksgiving dinners and Hanukkah celebrations and end of year parties. If you want to really impress your staff, your family, your clients, Bedford on Park is an amazing restaurant at 61 East 34th Street in New York City in the heart of Midtown. They have an incredible lunch and dinner menu all the time. You can check them out and enjoy. Uh, 34th and Park, and um, uh, they're amazing and incredible uh, steaks prepared by Chef Alex, including the 32-ounce prime cowboy, cowboy cut. Certainly worth giving a shot. Absolutely incredible meat, wonderful entrees and starter, great soups and salads. It's all at Bedford on Park. So your holiday parties, your shavabrachas, your Thanksgiving dinner, your Hanukkah celebrations, uh, you want to impress your clients and your uh and your staff, you go to 61 East 34th Street in New York City to Bedford on Park. Go to bedfordkitchen.com for information. Bedfordkitchen.com for all the information. Reminder, tonight is the One Israel Fun Dinner. Again, tonight is the One Israel Fun Dinner. If you have not yet gotten your reservations in, go to the website and to get ready to attend this evening. And as Scott Feltman and everybody at the One Israel Fund has said, make sure to vote before you go to the dinner. The dinner starts at um, at 6 p.m. You want to make sure to vote before you get to the dinner in downtown Manhattan. 
and uh, participate in our democratic system, which has gotten a tremendous amount of attention recently. <laughs> and everybody out there has a responsibility to vote and make sure to do so. Uh, we're giving Rabbi Goldwasser the day off this morning. We have special guests in our studio here at JM and the AM on this Tuesday morning. We were talking about anniversaries before. Apparently, Jay Booksbaum has brought along somebody who's celebrating a big milestone anniversary. Uh, Jay Booksbaum, of course, the number one kosher wine sommelier on planet Earth. We've searched, we've gone beyond the United States, beyond the normal continents that he travels, beyond the Earth itself. Uh, in the universe, I would say, he is the best number one kosher wine sommelier and he has a special guest live in studio this morning from the grapevine as we always say uh with our amazing friends at the kedem and royal wine here is the one the only jay booksbaum early morning for you mr booksbaum actually Very I, early. I owe an apology to you and all of your listeners now this is gonna be nice go ahead because a couple of weeks ago i was supposed to be on the air right with you and jeff morgan right and, in fact, I, t- I warned you in advance that I'm going to ask you to guess where I'm calling in from. Correct. And it was I was actually in Argentina. Nice. And the week before that, I was in Costa Rica and Cancun and Mexico City. Right. And the next day after when I was supposed to call in, I was in uh, Santiago, Chile. And the next week, I was in Brazil. So I really apologize. I should have called in and from all those exotic places. Well, I wish you would have, but it's very hard to impress me this week with that resume of cities because as you know sunday night i was at the chabad conference and i met shluchim from laos and angola oh, and man. thailand oh, and i'm gosh. like wow you know compared to jay these guys are really in some remote <laughs> remote places on planet earth uh, but you did do some serious traveling and unfortunately you weren't able to join us that morning but i do want to mention that not yeah. only did you miss jeff but Simon Jacob was here. Yeah, I know. And, you know, when Simon's here, it brings the wine. Uh, it bring, close it, it brings the wine discussion up to a different level, Mr. Booksbaum. Absolutely. And you've told me that the drinking of wine, the actual consumption of wine, goes to a different and higher level when you're sitting with Simon and enjoying wine. Absolutely. It's a whole spiritual plane. Right. So we miss him today. We could use yeah, him here today. Wouldn't you agree? I just spoke to him this morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Couldn't we use him? Well, here actually, today? it's now what? In the afternoon. It's right? afternoon in Israel. But can't we use them here today? Absolutely. Because today's a big anniversary. Big. Today's a big anniversary. You know, wineries, they open up. They open up and they hope. They hope that people will be attracted to what they offer. They hope that people will enjoy what they uh, what they provide. Uh, especially, by the way, in our community where people sometimes can be a little bit uh, a little bit tough to please. Right, Jay? <laughs> little, <laughs> a little bit tough little? to please. Yeah. And in this case, uh, Gilad Flam. Uh, is here in the United States celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Flam Winery. And Gilad, shalom to you, Boker Tov. Boker Tov Great shalom. to see you. Great to see you. And happy, and happy anniversary. Thank you. How do you say happy anniversary in Hebrew? Mazal Tov. Yeah, there you go. Mazal Tov. <laughs> he made it very simple for me, Jeff. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I was thinking you're muledet. No, eh, whatever. that's not right. Whatever it is, everyone understands the sentiment. And do you remember that day 20 years ago when you decided to produce your first bottle for yes. the drinking public? Yes, I remember it. Uh, it was more than 20 years. Actually, it was in uh, Tuscany, in Montepulciano. I was uh, traveling with my brother, who was studied in Italy and was working in Tuscany. And it was in the 90s. 
And uh, those days, the Italian Super Toscan were in a big, big hype and they made great wines, great uh, Cab and Super Toscan. And we were sitting there in Tuscany and asking ourselves, how can we do like the French people, the Italian people, which they respect their culture, their terroir, their soil, their land. They built such a wine culture. And uh, there we decided that uh, we will uh, establish a winery in Israel with the philosophy of uh, terroir, of culture, of expressing the soil, expressing our uh, culture and everything that means in uh, terroir. Even though that uh, my father and my mother was in uh, California in the 60s, And uh, my mother, uh, my father was studying in UC Davis. In, uh, the UC Davis, just so that anyone, yeah. just to let everybody know, UC Davis is the premier wine school for winemakers in the world. Interesting. Perhaps. And uh, those days, in the beginning of the 70s, the late uh, 60s, all the revolution in uh, Napa Valley started. Right. And my mother asked my father, why can we... Don't do it in Israel, but it was too early. Those days, that was only Carmel Winery uh, and uh, the big cooperative. So we went to work for Carmel Winery. But I think that the beginning, beginning of the idea was up there in uh, Napa in the beginning of the 70s. Yeah, and of course, I didn't born yet. Even. Right, understood. And of course, leave it to your mother, uh, who, who loves the land of Israel more than Jewish women. She convinces your father it's a good idea. By the way, you raise a point, and I'd love Jay's comment on this. You mentioned about the French and Italian. People don't realize you're not just a businessman. They don't realize that vinters in general, and we pick this up as we tour Israel, have such an appreciation for the land, a love of the land, and a respect for For the land and its produce, am I correct? You are excellent, you're, you're correct, because uh, wine and a small estate winery like we have, it's an idea, it's a philosophy. It's more than just, as you said, industrial wine, uh, um, you know, business, it's much, much, much more than this. Yeah. Uh, it's culture, it's to express uh, our soil. This is the main idea, the main philosophy behind this business because you can choose much, much better business than uh, <laughs> establishing a winery. And you, you uh, know what they say. Yeah. You want to make a million dollars in a wine business? Start with five. <laughs> Start with five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, and you, who, and of course sales is most important to you, obviously, but you've seen this. From Gilad and others, where this respect for the produce of the land and this love in, in their heart for the land. A lot of people don't get this. You know, we, we think we love Israel, but they, they mamash one, love one the of, land. One of the things, uh, Italians will tell you this, French great, you know, chateaus will tell you this. When you pick up a bottle of French wine, a French great Bordeaux, You're not just drinking wine, you're drinking Bordeaux. Right. You know, you're, you're literally... The area. Yeah, you're, you're bringing in that, uh, that commonality, that, uh, that uh, spirit. And right. same thing with Italian wines. You know, you become Italian when you're drinking an Italian wine. Exactly. A little bit of you, right. you know? And, but, oh, By so way, much more even, so even for Even the Jews. California group right. would, would say that. Right, and so much more so for us as Jews right. and for Israeli winemakers as Israeli wineries. Sure. They really are there, you know, 
enjoy Israel. It's not just enjoy the wine. I will tell you, though, two nights ago, we had amazing tasting at, uh, and I want to thank all the, all the hosts and hostesses, Mrs. Le- Ms. Levy and so on, in Brooklyn, where we hosted uh, a, a tasting for um, uh, Flom's Wines. And one of the things I said was, you know, 30 years ago, we would say, buy Israeli wine, support Israel. And I got up and I said, don't buy Israeli wine to support Israel. Don't. You want to support Israel? Buy a bond. Plant a tree. Of course, you're buying Israeli wine and you're supporting Israel, of course. But buy Israeli wine, especially Flam Classico as an example, because it's just great wine. Because you can really enjoy it. And because you can really become a part of the culture and and the uh, terroir, as uh, Gilad would say. Very important message. By the way, tonight's event is open to the public or not? Just so I know. No. It is not. Okay, but there, not. Is, but there is an event tonight where you're literally going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Flom right. Winery. And it's, congratulations. It, it, it was open to some public, but it sold out a long time ago. Also, what was the first bottle? What was the first type? What was the first thing you released to the public? Uh, the first one was the Flam Classico. Oh, that is the Classico yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, as Jay said. And it's coming from our vineyard in Mata. It's uh, near Jerusalem in the Judean Hills. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this wine express the Judean Hills at the war. By the way, we also uh, made organization of four wineries, the Judean Hills Quartet, which is Us, Castel, uh, Tzora, and uh, Sfera. And this organization is communicate and uh, market the Judean Hills because our vision in the end of the day that people will pick up bottles from the Judean Hills like they pick up bottles from Rioja, Bordeaux, or Tuscany. And the Judean Hills, that will be a brand name of uh, quality wines all over the world, not only Jewish people. That's a very important effort. You know, like in America... We know that Napa Valley right. is the Napa Valley sure. of, of wine, right? Mm-hmm. And in France, we know the Bordeaux is the Bordeaux of wine. Margot is the Margot of wine, etc. In Israel, up until about, I would say, 15, 20 years ago, it was known that the Golan Heights was the Golan Heights sure. of wine. But now it's become clear that the Jane Hills are at least as equal to, if not superseding, the quality of, of grapes that you can get for wine in the Judean Hills and, over the Golan Heights. And who, aside from our forefathers, knew that it was a good place to grow vineyards? I'm, from, I mean, I'm saying, so aside from who, who in this generation found out that this is a really good idea and a good place to grow vineyards? Or, or did we know this for centuries? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it was, I think... Uh, we have to give the credit uh, for Eli Benzaken, uh-huh. who is uh, Castel, was, uh, Castel right. who was uh, the first uh, grower in the Judean Hills. And uh, later on, uh, two years later, uh, Eli Benzaken and Ronnie James from uh, Tzora, I think they were the first one who grew uh, quality uh, grapes in the Judean Hills. And then we set up this group of the four wineries. Everything started in the... 90s right. of the last century. Right. All right. Uh, Gilad Flam is here. Happy anniversary to Flam Winery. Uh, we'll talk about the availability in the United States and this area in a moment. Uh, Jay is here. Uh, Gilad mentioned the Classico. Could you give us a review, a a, yeah. per- a percentage, a something, some information about yeah, this? The Classico who is w- who would enjoy it? It, it. Classico is ridiculous because it's their starter wine. Right. <laughs> And you'd think that for a starter wine, it'd be, uh, you know, kind of like a nice, pleasant, drinkable, quaffable. This wine is a very serious wine. It's a almost a classic Bordeaux blend of Cabernet, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Syrah, and Petit Verdot. Syrah is not a classic blend, but but 
the others are. Right. And it is rich, flavorful, but also complex, elegant, and very, very long aging. This is not a wine that, um, you know, you drink now and, you know, finish it during the next 18 months. This is a wine where you drink now and then put away two cases for the next five years. And then the next five years after that, and probably in 10, 12 years, it'll hit its peak. So, so it stores well. It stores well, and it's <laughs> only about 30, I don't know, 32 $33 a bottle. So this is amazing for a boutique wine. And this is the one that everybody, everybody reacted to immediately. It was the first yeah. one you released, and, yeah. and everyone. Uh, are, are, there, are the years, are the vintages much different than other years, or... If you see a bottle of Classico, you don't have to inspect what year it's from. I think in Israel, the years are not, there is not such a difference. Really? Like in Europe and the years. Uh, yeah, we don't have rain in Israel. We have a dry season. Right. And uh, the temperature are quite uh, the same. Uh, so the years are... This is In Israel, it's consistent quality. Right. Would, would you agree with that countrywide? That I, in Israel, would, it's more irrelevant the I year? I would of the, agree uh, with that countrywide with, one, with some exceptions. For example, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has been very good to us, especially this past 16 vintage. You know, 15 was Shviit, uh, right. was Shemitah. Right. And uh, the Herzogs and Royal Wine will not bring in Shemitah wine. Right. We will not take Kedushat Shviit out of Eretz Yisrael. Right. And the following year, 16, was a blockbuster of a vintage. It was amazing. Every winemaker, including, he doesn't want to talk about it so much, but including <laughs> Gilad's brother, Golan, will tell you that 16 was a phenomenal vintage coming off of the 15 Shviit, and, uh, and you could tell in the wines. So and this is the there one are exceptions. This is the one that's in front of us right, right some now. Some people say 03 was an exceptional right. vintage, and 04. I agree. There you go. Yeah, so there agree, are differences, yeah. but they're subtle and not very, not as common right. as the wines from other countries. Correct. All right. Uh, Flom Winery availability. Jay, there are five bottles in front of us right now. Two actually are the same. The Cab 2016 Reserve, right? Those, those oh. would be the same. So there's, there's four in front of us right now. Tell us about availability in this area. And if people ask for Flom in their specific retailers, any, what any, they'll get. Uh, any pretty good wine shop, I'm sorry, any good wine shop with a decent variety of kosher wines will have Flom. He may not have all the varieties, but they will have flam. Almost always they will have, if it's a wine shop that has a kosher section, will have the Classico, the, the, the Blanc, which is a blend of Sauvignon and Chardonnay, was just rated as the top Israeli wine by Robert Parker. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Top Israeli white. This Syrah is an amazingly rich, delicious, spicy long-lasting wine and i i you're right i picked they look the same but i picked i should have picked the merlot too ah. and i have it in the car but <laughs> it's the cabernet and the merlot uh both the reserves are they're just amazing wines long-lasting and quite ubiquitous you can get them and if they don't have them thanks to ketam and the good people at royal wine the retail can get it the next day so um, how does one price these wines? How does a winemaker who's shipping these wines from Israel know if this should be a 30 or a $100 bottle? Uh, well, it's a big question. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, f- first of all, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's the process and uh, it's the vineyard and uh, how much yield you can take uh, from one dunam. Yield, yield. yield right. Yeah, you can take from one dunam, like we are taking around seven to 600 kilos, and you can take, and you can, it can bring you 1.5 tons, like three times. Right. So it's yield, it's the process. Uh, this is like every product that you are producing. Are some of these grapes more rare than the others? 
are more are less accessible. Low yields, very right. low yields, and right. then the the grapes are much more concentrate and uh, much more flavors and uh, much more color that you can um, you know feel it in the uh, the mouth. Uh, you, we have a sorting uh, table in the entrance of the of the winery, and uh, each cluster. Uh, is sorting. We are sorting each cluster by hand. Imagine, I mean, what a process, they literally <laughs> lift up each cluster of grapes. Oh, gosh. And any bad grapes, they literally pick off, right? Yeah, yeah. And this they is... throw them away, or, or they use them for brandy or whatever, you know? And, I mean, just to give you an idea, yeah. okay? You can buy a ton of grapes. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you can, yes, you can get uh, up to 12 tons per acre in the United States. Right. I don't know how much that is in dunams. I think it's two and a half dunams per ton or something. Yeah. Two and a half dunams per acre. But it, you can get as little as 1.6 tons per acre. So what what Gilad is talking about is the fact that he's getting grapes in that kind of category. Right. And he's only taking from vineyards that produce very concentrated, very robust, very delicious at at harvest grapes that in the end will produce the same kind of Amazing wines. Gilad Flom, Gilad Flom and Jay Booksbaum are here. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Flom Winery. Is there any big announcement coming now that it's 20 years? Is there a next step, a next bottle, a new vintage, a new uh, yeah. idea? Like what? What? How are you looking back at the last 20 years and advancing further? So I think the big thing that we are in front of it, we are going to plant another 150 dunams. Uh, in uh, below Adassa and Karem Hospital in the Judanes. It's a great, great location and uh, on an old terrace, uh, on an old terra- terrace uh, in uh, Evan Sapir, if you know yeah. uh, this. Uh, Who owns that property? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that's a big project. That uh, I can imagine. <laughs> it's a very big project. Uh, yeah, because we believe in this area of the Judean Hills, and we want to develop it. And uh, this is how it works in the wine business. You plant, you go, you find uh, new locations for uh, the vineyards, and you try to make uh, the best, the unique wines that uh, you can get from uh, the soil. And just as, just as a you know, a point of uh, education, as from the education sure. minister on wine here, <laughs> um, Terra yes, Rosa, so, it's Terra Rosa yeah. soil. It's it's mostly slate. It's uh, the soil there is uh, limestone white on 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 top of it there is a brown terra rosa. Okay. So from this soil you get very unique character to the grapes. Uh, mainly in uh, Evans appear it's uh, red grapes, and the next project is Aminadav. If you know, it's also um, this is uh, um, Evans appear. It's around seven hundred meters above sea level. It's twenty one hundred feet above sea level. And I mean, Adav is eight hundred. It's just above it, and uh, they're the very good uh, soil for white wines. So yeah, it's very interesting, and a lot of things going on. Unbelievable! What a blessed land, huh? Unbelievable! Incredible! Uh, we're talking about the Flam Winery. Uh, are you happy with the reaction? Uh, from people in this area to your wines? Yes, very much. Um, you know, thanks God. You hear uh, from the Americans? We hear very good <laughs> feedbacks from the Americans. And, uh, 
Yeah, just, uh, you know, can say thank you to, to Jay, to all Royal and Kedem uh, company that, uh, you know, we were working together and cooperate since day one we are in the market and uh, we, could, we couldn't choose better part- partners. I have to tell you that I, believe that, I told this uh, a couple nights ago when we had this tasting. I know <coughs> Golan's fam- Gilad's family for probably over 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Because, because Israel, his father, who still has, I, no matter what he says, I still think he has tremendous influence in the winery. He's retired from Carmel, but certainly brings his yeah. experience and expertise with him. And it's just, he's such a wonderful man, such a wonderful human being. And I urge everybody, you know, people call me all the time. I want, I'm going to Israel. I want to visit a winery. Which one? I always tell them, <clears throat> One of the nicest stops. It's not the biggest. It's not the most, oh, you know, decked out. But it actually is one of the most magnificent spots. It's not. It's in Beit Shemesh, right. so it's it's you know it's a, it's ten minute, fifteen minute ride from Jerusalem. Go visit the Flam Winery. You'll you'll you won't regret it. So there are tours open to the yeah, public. There are tours, and we welcome everybody. By the way, there is a website. You can go to flamwinery dot com. F L A M flamwinery dot com. They also have an English site uh, there connected to their main sites. So you can get more information and find out more about the wines. And as we recommended earlier, all of them that are in front of us: the Classico, the Blanc, the Syrah twenty sixteen Reserve, the Cab, the Merlot that Jay mentioned. All big recommendations from us as uh, Flam celebrates. It's 20th anniversary when a, and I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm so curious, you know, 20 years ago when a small winery, and obviously anybody starting is small, comes to your outfit, and we know how Baruch Hashem, Royal Wine, you know, is an amazing partner if you have them at your side, and they propose that, you know, that you go ahead, you and your company go ahead and distribute these wines in the U.S., and that you partner with them around the world. I mean, what's generally the reaction? I mean, I, I, I can't say, imagine that each and every time you say to these small startup wineries, yeah, come aboard. You're, you're absolutely right. And in this case, it's just the opposite. When I heard that Flam was available, and, and Gilad can tell you, I did not leave them alone. They didn't come <laughs> to us. I begged them, please, let us distribute, let us sell your wines. Isn't that right? That's right. And, and actually, true. he had a bunch of people asking him, am I right? Yeah. He had a bunch of people, and, and we spent a lot of lots dinners. Of dinners, a lot of flights A lot of good wine to together, York, flights yeah. to New York, etc. And we Israel. got them yeah. because, you know, there are a handful of wineries in Israel that are considered the best wineries in Israel. If you'd have to pick three, Gilad's wine would be the one top of them. Three. Yeah. And you knew this going in based on the relationship yeah. with his father and the success that you envisioned they would have yeah. because of their expertise. I'm, now I'm glad I asked the question. Yeah. It's Jay really- has great nose. <laughs> <laughs> and now, if there is a small startup winery tuned in, don't expect to get the same type of reaction from not, Jay Bookstown. Not generally. Not generally. You have to really be something special. <laughs> and eventually, if you keep knocking on the door and you keep uh, trying to convince everybody there, you might actually... If you do a good job, might actually join the team. Let's put it that way. Uh, Gilad Flam is celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Flam Winery. Uh, he is here in the U.S. visiting anywhere outside of New York. Are you going anywhere around no. the country? Going this back, visit back only, to Israel? Only New York, yeah. Are there places around this country, aside from New York and New Jersey, that are oh, very yeah. into Flam? Chicago, California, Florida. Very into um, it. You know, obviously New Jersey. Right. Uh, Texas. Texas. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so we congratulate Flam on that, and of course, uh, Jay Booksbaum is here as we um, 
I recommend to everybody, if you want to support Israel and you want delicious wine, because as you said, you can support Israel in many different ways, but if you want to do so and have a great bottle of wine at your table, then you are recommending Flam Winery, F-L-A-M. And just to mention him, for the sake of mentioning him, if Simon Jacob were here, would he enjoy one of the bottles of Flam? Oh, Simon Jacob is <laughs> he, a complete Flam freak. He is, okay, so there's no question. He's collected all the nobles. He's got all the reserve cabs. He's yeah. got cases of it. and He's a good friend. He yeah. is an amazing friend. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows his wine, and he's trying to get me to make sure I know uh, more about kosher wine as well. All right, Gilad, uh, mazal tov to you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Jay, what can I say? You've brought us another important and interesting guest from Israel uh, my, into our my studio. My kudos to you. I cannot tell you how many people, every time we do one of these shows, <laughs> your your audience is not just your audience. They are like, I just heard it. You know, like they're, they're like they're your family. It's an they're active so, audience. Oh, my God. Baruch Hashem, it's an active you, audience. You, you thank, you and we love when you bring us good wine, but when they're from Israel, it's even more special to us, a kolakavot. Uh, my thanks to both Gilad and Jay. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Yaakov Shweki, of course. Before that, Ohad, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, on the web, and com on the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Welcome to hour number three. Later this hour, by the way, Schleimi Werdiger, chairman of the Aguda, is going to join us. The big announcement's been made that January the 1st of 2020, the Siyam Ashas is going to happen at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. We'll have that analysis and that uh, that discussion coming up at 8.35 this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, Eitan Freilach tomorrow on this program. Today's election day. If you haven't voted yet, get out and vote. Uh, can't stress enough how important it is to vote and become part of the process. Today's election day, great opportunity to do uh, just that. The book is called Shul with a View, a rabbi's personal journal. Rabbi Ron Yitzhak Eisenman is in our studio this morning here. At JM in the AM, he's rabbi of Congregation Avas Israel in Passaic, New Jersey, a renowned speaker and writer. And Shul with a View is based on his popular column in Mishpacha magazine and includes plenty of new material as well. To my, I don't want to say old, but my longtime friend, Rabbi Ron Eisenman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nochem. And as like you said, uh, we go back to our days on WYUR. Uh, Probably almost more than 30 years ago, probably close to 40 years ago. Yeah, I'd say over 20. That's about, right. That's about all right. I'll, I'll admit to. Right. <laughs> um, mazel tov on the book. Thank you so much. How did this start with Mishpacha magazine? Why is Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman writing a regular column for a weekly magazine? That is an excellent question. Interestingly enough, about... 2008 or so, I don't exactly remember, probably 10 years ago, I began to put out, just for the shul, an email called the Short Vort. And initially, it was more divrei Torah, but I realized, honestly, I didn't have to remake the wheel. There were many people doing that. So I be, it, I be, it morphed into more of my personal musings, my thoughts, anecdotes which occurred, and sort of, as they say nowadays, what went viral was that I wrote a piece of uh, why am I I'm a chassid of the Belzarebi after the terrible uh, massacre in Merkaz Harav Yeshiva. I was very touched and very moved that the, the Rebbe, although obviously he's not part of the religious Zionist movement, right. he visited the injured in the hospital and he attended the funeral. And I just put it out there, and honestly, a um, little while after that, Mishpacha magazine contacted me if they can print it, and a few months after that, they asked me if I would begin writing a regular column. Uh, do you write it, in fact, on a weekly basis, or, or some of them are repeats, or sometimes you're not in the magazine? How often do you write for them? Uh, so right now, I, I write every other week. It's mm-hmm. never a repeat, but I right. write every other week. New material each uh, every other week. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> there are rabbis that have written books about their experiences and often people would say to them oh my gosh rabbi does everything happen to you like you know it seems like you're you're involved in every crazy situation but i think any rabbi that would write a book would have a lot of interesting stories about their community especially large and active communities like yours do do you understand that after i read this i in fact said oh my gosh rabbi eisenman everything seems to happen to him every possible situation a rabbi can get himself into he has experienced Yes, many many people have had that same reaction. But honestly, I always respond that it's not just a preview of the rabbi. I honestly believe, I have no doubt, frankly, you, Reb Nochem, in your life, could probably write the same, if not a better book, because you've, you've probably met everybody from 
every stretch of the Jewish and even outside the Jewish world. And all of us meet special people coming here every day. I mean, just to give you a very quick example, when I walked here and I saw that on going down Grand, it said 550 Grand, and you told me we're at 551 Grand. So quickly I asked two people, not non-Jewish people, and they were so helpful. They said, oh, you have to go here. 551 must be across the street. And, you know, already it was a special... It was a special occasion. It was a special incident. So I think keeping your eyes open, uh, everybody experiences these more often than we realize. All right. But I will add that a lot of these stories are particular for a rabbi, particular for those who host a lot of people at their Shabbos table. Again, typical for a rabbi in Rebetzin. Typical for someone who's in the front of the shul and notices, quote, unquote, strangers walk in, you know, with, with needs, requests, etc. You ha- You have a unique niche in the area of meeting interesting people and having interesting things happen to you right correct but that's definitely true but i must stress that what's the everyone's precious to me and all the stories are precious but the stories about my family and the stories about my children like anybody else they're the most precious to me and uh, and everyone who has children baruch hashem could in fact, write those types of stories after their experiences with their own kids. Yeah, Rabbi Eisenman is here. The book is called Shul with a View, available everywhere, right? No, everywhere. No, no trouble getting it. With a big shout-out to our friends at Shara Press Art Scroll, right? Right. Rabbi Zlatowicz and Rabbi Sherman, literally, they were malachim, angelic to deal with. They were the, the nicest, friendliest, made everything so easy for me. It was literally seamless and perfect, everything from, from A to Z. Not, I'm sorry. No, I'm just very, very indebted to them and have a lot of gratitude to both Rabbi Zlatowitz and Sherman. Um, I want to ask you about some specific stories, but first, as I mentioned to you off the air, I have not been in your synagogue for about 10 years. Um, and it's it, from what I hear, it has turned into a synagogue that, as you described to me earlier, now has 40 minyanim every day, which would mean that, for instance, last night, once the time for Marav, uh, arrives, I would guess there's many, many minyanim from Ariv. Through the day, many minyanim from Minchan. Obviously, each morning you have your choice of many shacharis. How has your shul turned into that type of atmosphere? Well, obviously, tremendous siyata deshmaya of obviously Hashem's hand in having this. But um, at one point also, about, it must have been about seven, eight, nine years ago, I don't remember exactly. Thank God it's an old, it's a very big building, and there are numerous rooms we can daven in. And I came up with this idea that there's a need that people people want a minion on demand. I mean, I don't like to call it like that, <laughs> right. but, but it's not like the old days anymore where people want a minion on demand, and uh, we were able to fill that void and create that niche. There are so many Jews in the Passaic Clifton area. Yes, and not only that, we get a, a huge amount of Jews who land in Newark Airport, right. especially at 4 or 5 in the morning. And now they know that you're around the clock, so they can just show up any time. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so curious in my own head to compare you to other shuls like this that I've seen in Yerushalayim, Borough Park, etc. How many men from Mariv were there last night, in your estimation? Well, the first Mariv would have been at 5.10, right. and the last Mariv would have been at 11.30 p.m., and they're approximately... A half hour apart, about but one point at around between nine and ten. They're every fifteen minutes. So to say, last night you had twenty marvs is is for sure. Correct, correct, correct. 
And in fact, we've had incidents where one of the Lakewood Rashi Yeshiva was coming in to uh, be Menachem Oval, pay a shiva call to someone. And as he was leaving, he said it was about 11.30. During Ben Azmanim, you know, when the yeshivas are off, we actually have a, a midnight minion for Marv. Oh, my gosh. And and he asked somebody, <laughs> and it was like 10 to 12, that there's no way there's a Marv here, is there? And the host said, yes, there is, that they have us. So we actually had one of the Russian yeshivas of Lakewood daven at the midnight minion one day. To have 20 Marvs last night, you need at least 200 men over 13 years old. Correct. And you had that. You had over 200 men, 13 and over, last night in your shul. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, more. Most minyanim, I would say. Yeah, I understand that. I'm yeah. just saying minimum of that. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's it's mind-boggling to me, frankly. Maybe I just don't realize how. Uh, you're there how many years? 20 years in Passaic? 21. In, in the shul, I'm 21 years. So, now. in 21 years, your estimate, not in raw numbers, but has it doubled, tripled? What would you say the community has done in those 20 years that you've been there? I think when I, when I arrived in the community in 1989, I think there were 200 families. That's almost 30 years ago. Okay. I think current estimates put it at somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 families. Oh, so we're talking about a major difference. Yeah, major wow. difference. Unbelievable. Major. Yes. Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman is here. We're talking about the Avas, which is Avas Israel, Avas Israel in Passaic, New Jersey. Right. It is the only, not that this is a, uh, you know, not that anybody would expect any of them to be, but it's the only uh, shul in the Passaic Clifton area where you could literally get Minyanim round the clock. Uh, wrapping up around midnight and starting again, I assume, for, for Vasekin and earlier when necessary. Right. Well, now the first Minyan is, is earlier, right. correct. When, yeah. Right. At the earliest time you can dive in. Right. Are you in the shul a good part of the day? Um, yeah, most truthfully, a lot of the day. I, I also teach uh, in Turo College. I'm an adjunct professor there. When I'm not teaching in Turo, I'm off, yeah, most of the day I'm in the shul. Is it round the clock minyanam on Shabbos, or Shabbos would act like a normal shul would? Well, Shabbos in the morning, we have three different minyanam. Uh, right, but that uh, would be common for a lot right. of shuls, right? But we have many minchas. We ah. have many minchas. And, and there are two marivs, an early marv and a late marv that we do have right. also. Is it the well. geography? I'm sorry for being so fascinated by this. Is it the geography? Is it the menu? Is it the rabbi? What attracts so many people to use Avas as the round-the-clock place? Well, it happens to be very centrally located, the shul. It's well, that's located, important. Yeah, Van Houten and High Street. Right. Uh, it happens to be that... Uh, like I said, it's it's very well run. You mentioned Yerushalayim, right. but, but we're probably actually in the entire world the only Ashkenazi, uh, quote unquote, you know, yeah, no, so Ashkenaz, right, right? Multiple minion place, right. which is Ashkenaz, not Hasidish, right? And plus, the minyanim run exactly on time, right? And that's due to a lot of people. You know, we have a. Person Jonathan Patinsky, who's very, very so the six p.m. Marif tonight will start at six p.m. and not, zero seconds exactly and zero. So we have <laughs> digital clocks in all the rooms, and the minyanim begin exactly when I they're love supposed it. to. I absolutely love it. I got to come visit again, please. <laughs> and now I know I can get a minion any time. So. Yes. Ron Yitzchak Eisenman is here. The book is called Shul with a View. I picked five stories because there's a million stories in here, but I said I got to at least choose right. you know, five to mention on the air and, and to ask you about just to get your reaction to them. Um, so you're at a wedding. You're at a wedding. They can't find the wedding ring or someone left the wedding ring at home. Right. And you're witnessing this not as the Masada Kedushin. You're witnessing this from your chair you know, as a guest at the wedding. Right. And a woman... Uh, comes running up or, you know, whatever the case is, or shouts from the back, uh, take my ring, I will gift it 
to the chatan, right? I will gift it to the groom. Correct. And let him then, then he can do whatever he wants with it. And obviously, you know, he wants to marry his wife. He could use it for the kedushin, right. right? And now, and you point out that the caterer, the musicians, everybody who's nervous now that things are stalling and they're not going to be able to continue. Now they're, everything's wonderful because this woman has gifted the ring. And then you say that, 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 that very often you encounter, I forgot the character's name, but you may recall it. Cynical Sam. Cynical Sam. Very, very often you encounter Cynical Sam which all of us have been at one point or another, who's now saying to himself, oh, boy, probably can't stand her husband, couldn't wait to you know, get rid of the ring. Oh, boy, now right. he's going to say to her husband, I need a new ring because look at the chesed I did, and, uh, and other thoughts going through cynical Sam's mind. And then you point out at the end of the story that you... That I am cynical that Sam. That you are cynical Sam. Right. Because it, it's difficult sometimes for us to appreciate the sincerity behind an act like that. That's true. And I also want to point out, uh, as a, a very good friend of mine, uh, Rabbi Avram Aronovich, unfortunately passed away at a very young age uh, last year. But as he once told me, he was a, my best friend, basically. He said, if there's one thing I learned about you, Rabbi Eisman, is that you taught me the lesson that rabbis are human too. Mm. And you know, just because you have the title rabbi, that doesn't uh, free you from the normal foibles that we all have and you know, our cynicism and et cetera, et cetera. So I try to impress that on the, in the book a lot. And I'm glad you say that because in this era, when there is this impression among many that in fact uh, certain rabbis cannot possibly be wrong or can possibly make a mistake, it's an important thing to remember. Correct. And, and yeah, I think the... The idea that the recognition that the rabbi is as human and has as human needs as anybody else, if that would be one of the goals that I achieved in this book and I was successful at, I would be very satisfied. You mentioned a story where um, your wife is flying to Israel, I think with some other family members because of a simcha, thank God. And it turns out that you and only one of your children is going to be home for that Shabbos. Right. And number one, you're concerned, and boy, this one I love. Number one, you're concerned if anybody in the neighborhood finds out that you and your daughter are alone, it's going to become the issue of the entire neighborhood because, you know, we have to make sure that the rabbi and his daughter have meals and that they're, that they, you know, that that, that someone's there to care for them, et cetera. So you're trying to keep this on the lowdown, as they say in the vernacular, right? Right. You're trying not to get the word out. Right. And you mention how, thank God, and you say this obviously from a very positive point of view, that although your wife's away, and again, thank God for a simcha, but your wife and other children are away, you have this amazing opportunity to literally, you know, scrape together, and I, of course, say that, you know, jokingly, scrape together a couple of meals and just spend this quality time with your daughter, Who and we know how difficult it is to have one-on-one time with our kids, everyone's so busy, etc., and I am sure you look back at that Shabbos with tremendous fondness. Yeah, that was a very precious, precious Shabbos. That was my with my youngest daughter, Aviva. And looking back, honestly, it was a very unique and precious and cherished opportunity I had for us to be able to to bond together without anybody, without any distractions. Without... And schmooze about stuff you would never schmooze otherwise. Exactly, about. and you know, and just relax on our chairs, sit back, not worry about you know who's watching us, who's looking. It was, yeah, it was a very, very special and unique Shabbos, which to this day I, I'm very thankful that I had that opportunity. Unbelievable. That you even remember it this fondly years later is incredible. Uh, you mentioned a story about um, a woman who has sent two checks 
meaning uh, checks payable to the synagogue, one to the synagogue for membership and one to the synagogue for the rabbi's fund. Right. And you couldn't understand how this woman, especially in her financial situation, you knew it was a diff- difficult situation. You didn't understand what this was about and that there were two checks and in small amounts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You find I'm, I'm giving the very short version to one of your longer stories, but eventually you call her, et cetera, and she says that the reason she sent these checks right. was because you had changed her day last Wednesday, that her Wednesday was going terribly and that you were, and now, now you are hesitant to follow up with her because you don't know what she's talking about. You, you know, like you're trying to think, did I give her a ride? Did I like, what did I do? Right. And you can't think of what, but thank God she volunteered the information. What did you do that changed her Wednesday? Well, interesting. I still remember the incident. I'm, I'm walking on Van Houten Avenue, which is a main street in Passaic towards my block. And I see her across the street. And, uh, I mean, if you can say we make eye contact from about 50 feet, but right. we make some sort of eye contact, and I actually just waved to her. I just waved and maybe mouthed good morning, and she just, a day or two later, I got this letter from her, and when I called her, she said everything was going wrong that morning, and I spilled the coffee, I woke up late, my mother called me, why am I not married yet? And then the rabbi waved at me and mouthed good morning, and the whole day changed. And the whole day changed. To the point that she wrote two checks to the shul. Yeah, she wrote two checks, yeah. And right. you're saying to yourself, as you say in the story at the end, uh, it, it, imagine that this little gesture that, again, to you was, you know, second nature, so to speak, an automatic, <laughs> you didn't even go out of your way to do it. And, right. this, and, and this changed her day in that way. Right, and, and I always wonder, you know, as you mentioned the checks to the shul, uh, right. you know, kicking myself, I didn't cross the street. and. Um, <laughs> Could have got maybe a bigger chance. Here, here's Cynical Sam. <laughs> cynical Sam. There he is. There he is. Rabbi Rod Yitzchak Geisen, the book is called Shul with a View, Art Scroll, Shar Press. It's available everywhere, and we highly recommend it. You mentioned a story about the um, a gentleman who insists on seeing you before Rosh Hashanah. Right. And uh, he is, and you'll tell me if I'm telling this incorrectly, he is um, reminding you when he finally shows up because he... he Made an appointment with you, did not keep it. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot to do for a rabbi Erev Rosh Hashanah. And you're somewhat irritated, I think you could say, right. that he's not keeping to the schedule. He finally shows up minutes before candle lighting. And uh, he says to you that the reason he was desperate to meet with you before Rosh Hashanah uh, is because you had not helped him get his daughter into a certain seminary in Israel. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And he, it took him, this is how he puts it, it took him, I assume this is one of your balabatim, it took him until minutes before Yuntif to finally forgive you fully in his heart, and that's why he couldn't show up at 12 noon when you wanted him to to meet you. He, that's how long it took him to actually completely forgive you. He, want, he wanted to show up and tell you, I have completely forgiven you for that. That's your reaction to that episode. That's correct. A reaction to that, which has been emphasized many times to me, is that you know, being a rabbi, obviously, you sit up in front, you know, people say, uh, what does the rub think, or all these things can lead, honestly, to, you know, needing a bigger hat size after a while. And once again, he proved to me that, you know, I'm just as human and have just as many flaws as anybody else, and that was something which was, was very humbling, which, truthfully, I appreciated very much, uh, as notwithstanding, obviously, I was somewhat embarrassed but the fact that he was able to tell me that made me realize that, especially in Rosh Hashanah, I think I'm the one who's needed by everyone. Right. 
But in truth, I really needed him more than he needed me. And you're able to get through that night's Rosh Hashanah service, or it was it weighed on you nonetheless? Well, I guess it weighed on me enough that uh, after Rosh Hashanah, I wrote the uh, I wrote the piece, so I still right. remember it, and right. it's still a, a humbling episode. But honestly, a humbling episode, which I think I hopefully grew from and would continue to grow. See, from. it's not just telling stories. It's also, I think, the the depth of appreciation for each episode that you convey in your Shul with a View article. You understand what I'm saying? Like, without that, I think just the the actual tale, the actual, uh, you know, uh, story would not be as powerful. And I appreciate you say that because um, I really do believe, and I, I try to put this into to implement it but each person each human being to be honest you jew and non-jew is created as the mission in pirkei of as a telem elokim some sort of form of god and each person is literally a wellspring and a treasure trove of of special qualities that if we give them the time and we pay enough attention we'll we'll discover diamonds in each and every person and an inspiration and Lessons to be learned and uh, and to grow from. So true. Rabbi Rania Tzalgaisman is here. Uh, I'll turn to you in a minute if you want to mention any of the specific stories or anything you'd like this audience to know. But the last one I'll quote or I'll tell is um, this somewhat complicated story. The reason it got me is because I am a, I'd like to think I'm a fighter, although I think that may be overstating it, but I'm certainly a big believer in uh, proper burial for Jewish people. And I also feel that if someone has spent their life completely out of the Jewish faith, with, aside from the title, you know, having a Jewish mother, uh, even if they've done, you know, nonetheless, uh, one should make an effort to try to have them buried properly ka'alacha. Uh, obviously, from the way you tell your story, you believe <laughs> you believe the same thing. And you have a congregant who, if I, I don't know if I have this right, was it a congregant with a relative? And again, one of these typical challenges that that the only lone relative of this person that they know is um, wants to have the a cremation done, uh, which of course would be completely against halachic uh, um, uh, procedure. And there's somebody in your shul who uh, the, 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 somebody recommends that this relative contact a cousin or some other relative who's in your shul. A Balchuva who's now a from person in your shul. Correct. And right. and they make arrangements to um to have proper burial. Right. And it ends up that the relative who wanted to just the son, I think it was a son, it was who, a wanted, son who wanted who wanted to go through with his mother's cremation, not right. only acknowledges thank God that she was buried properly, but actually ends up paying for the entire thing because he feels that would be the proper thing to do. Correct. At the end, he sends a check to right. uh, and the, his cousin or whoever right, took care of it. Right. That, that, was, that was also a very moving episode, and especially how this uh, Balabas, who I know wants to preserve his anonymity, but how he went out of his way. He, you know, he, he flew down with his son-in-law, and then they had to rent a car to uh, to drive to this city out there and wherever it was, Virginia, I forget now, and uh, and to and they met the rabbi and to make sure this was a, a Jewish burial. But if you remember in that story, that as they're leaving, as they're leaving the cemetery, the rabbi, who semi-Orthodox, whatever, but was a nice man, he approaches the 
he asked, they asked him, the con- my congregant asked him, can you just tell me anything about my aunt? I really haven't kept up with her. So the rabbi thinks for a minute and says, you know, I remember when she first joined the synagogue 20 years ago, she joined our Hevra Kedisha. She joined our burial. Society, man. And who would have, you know, imagined that 20 years later that that schus, that merit, would come, uh, would come very handy to have in the bank for her. Unbelievable. Anyway, I I was very much taken by that. Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman, is there anything else about Shul with a view that you'd like to tell us? Well, I would like to tell you, first of all, even though you are right, it's correct, it is uh, based on my articles in Mishpacha, but there there are new pieces in there, and also many of the pieces are elongated and lengthened to, I think, give more of a proper focus in Mishpacha, which is a beautiful publication. I'm thrilled to write for them too, but I'm limited to 630 words. So many, most of these articles can, you know, go with a thousand, two thousand words. Um, I'm appreciative of everybody who buys the book. And if I make at the end of the day, somebody cry, somebody think, and hopefully somebody smile, I'm very satisfied. And I think I've, I've done my job. Amazing. Mazel tov on the book. Thank you. Thank you, Nochem, so much. I'm very appreciative of you of being here. I hope you, Stacy, and the kids are all well. Baruch and, um, It's just a very, it's a special moment for me to be here with you. Honestly, who would have imagined going way back on Amsterdam Avenue? With, <laughs> we'd be sitting at 551 Grant Street uh, talking, talking about... to the world. <laughs> writing. You would be this world-famous personality, and I'd be an author uh, writing for Art Scroll. Uh, I, you know... But uh, that's a good story in and of itself, Nachum. I agree. I agree. Maybe I'll make the next show with a yes, view. Who yes, knows? I think, you know, I think you will. <laughs> I still remember you saying on the air when you had to say Kaddish, or, you were, or no, it was your Purim. Right. And you said, keep that minion open, the 930 minion. I'm on my way. Correct. That was, and, and Rabbi Marcus made sure to do that for me every single year to keep uh, the Megillah waiting until I walked into the main sanctuary in West Orange. Right. And in your shul, Yes. I was once, because I'd say Kaddish for my father, I was once at the 930 Minion. Today would be a joke. Today I could have a 10, I could have a 1030, I could have an 11. Like, where were you 10 years ago, Rabbi? And I, <laughs> I remember when your father, Zichron Al-Rachab, passed away. I remember seeing you yeah. often at the shul for your father. Yeah, right, but I think 930 was the last Minion at that yeah, point. Yeah, 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 right. Latest uh, Minion in town. that we, we, uh, we, we try really not to go after 10. We have 10, but we right. try not to go after because, right. you know, don't worry, my friends in Borough Park have the same sign up. No minyan after ten, they go till about one o'clock. Okay, <laughs> look, as long as we're all connecting to Hashem, <laughs> that's true. You know, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Nachum. Thank you so much. Take my recommendation, folks. Sometimes I have really good recommendations. Masora Publications, Art Scroll, Shar Press has published Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman's book with plenty of brand new material, and it's called Shul with a View: A Rabbi's Personal Journal. Check it out, artscroll.com, and obviously everywhere where you purchase amazing and incredible Judaica. Tuesday morning, we will check in with Shlemy Werdiger about the CMA Shas and do plenty more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Speeding it up, a kid's waking it up.
Zioni Z with Up. David Perlman had mowed them. You heard Shira Hashem done by Eitan Freyla, who's with us tomorrow here at JMNAM. An eighth day with the brand new album, Stronger, Closer. Song is called Bring It Home. JM in the AM. Well, uh, weeks ago, I saw Shlaimi Werdiger, and uh, I said to him, once the announcement is made regarding the CMS Shas, would love to talk for a couple of minutes on the air. He graciously agreed, and I thank him very much. He is, of course, the chairman of the Agudas Yisrael of America board. Uh, Sal Schleimi Werdiger is with us live via telephone on this very festive day in the uh, aftermath of the announcement about the big Siamashas coming up just over a year from now. Schleimi Werdiger, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nochem. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I'm going to say Mazel Tov. It must be an amazing feeling to have the date, to have the place, to now start building up to what's going to be the world's greatest event. It must be an amazing feeling uh, in the aftermath of the big announcement. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. It's it's exhilarating. It's it's exciting, and uh, it's it's gonna, you know, we're 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 really galvanizing. It's gonna be a, a major event. Baruch Hashem. The CM gets bigger and bigger every year. This time, 
uh, we're not only taking MetLife Stadium again, but we're also taking an indoor venue wow. in New York simultaneously to accommodate those who, uh, some elderly people or possibly people who, who are a little nervous about the weather. And then we're also uh, looking at a venue possibly in Miami at that time of the year, January 1st, and this time expanding to probably uh, – you know, close to 100 cities and maybe over 20 countries. So it's a major undertaking, and, and Baruch Hashem, we have a, a huge steering committee that's really working uh, diligently and hard to make sure that this is going to be the Kiddush Hashem that we uh, hope it's going to be. Have they given you the official count of how many people they'll be able to hold in MetLife Stadium? Yeah, MetLife holds the same about the last time, a little bit over 90,000 people. Wow. We're also taking the Barclays Center. We're looking at other venues. We'll announce everything very, very shortly. But, uh, you know, it was a tough decision. Uh, last time it was in the, in, the, in the summer. Now it's in the winter, January 1st. But we're, uh, it is January 1st, which is a, a, a day that most people, about the bottom at least, are off. Uh, from work, we're going to be doing it early in the afternoon. Hopefully, the sun will be shining bright. It'll be nice and warm, and and uh, it won't be uh, you know it, it won't be uncomfortable for most people. Listen, we thought about this long and hard, and and in, if the consultation with the rabbonim and and even with the meyatzik zelatara, after such a kiddush Hashem, you know it's malim bekoidish ve'emarid, and it's very difficult to take such a monumental kiddush Hashem that we had. Uh, six years ago and, and go to five or six or seven places which we would need now to accommodate such a huge uh, crowd. Yeah, so, I, by the way, I would think that this has has settled a lot of people that have asked about things like this because the, the fact that you're doing it on a quote-unquote day off, meaning for a lot of people the New Year's legal holiday, and in addition to that, you're doing it earlier in the day, I think that shows a tremendous amount of forethought and you know trying in every way to make it as comfortable and as uh, accessible for everybody. And I'm sure as we get closer to the event, whenever you guys feel, and I, I should say it differently, whenever the presidium and the officials feel, you know, an adjustment needs to be made because of whatever weather's expected, you're obviously going to take all of that into consideration. Of, of course, of course, there's alternate dates. Uh, if we would need to, to move it, but uh, we're hoping, was the last time also everybody said an open stadium, and sure enough, if everybody recalls, it was pouring, raining all day, and a half an hour before the scene was to start, it stopped raining. It became sunny, so obviously the the we're, we're reliant on on the Shalom. You should see to it that we should be able to really be Makayim, this huge, huge uh, Maimed, you know. Uh, yeah. And and, uh, and, so and and we should and we and we should note that that was only after you made sure that everybody in attendance would in fact have. Tow- towels and ponchos. So, so we we do we do know about the nisim, and we always thank God. But Baruch Hashem, you went the extra mile to make sure that anybody who, God forbid, might be uncomfortable during the scene would be as comfortable as possible. Well, thank you so much, Nachum, and we look forward to seeing everybody. The details we will be uh, starting to to advertise and and give out the details in the very near future, and uh, we're hoping that uh, that we'll be able to satisfy everybody who wants to come. But most importantly, the bnei yeshiva. The, 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 the Balabatim that are actually sitting and learning, and it's a tremendous accomplishment. Putting seven and a half years into finishing Shas is a huge accomplishment for them, for their mishpachas, for their wives, for their children and grandchildren. And we're hoping that we're going to make do the best to make sure that they deserve and get 
the recognition that they deserve and, and put together a, a CMHF appropriately uh, to, to show, to show uh, their appreciation and the, and the tremendous work that they put into to finishing shots. Yeah, they all deserve it. We're, we're just under 14 months away. Any idea yet when tickets and accommodations will start going on sale and that, that type of thing will begin? I, I I would say after January first. I oh. would say the beginning of the year. We're going to start uh, advertising. We're, you know, both we we already had an event uh, last week. Um, looking as you can imagine, there's a tremendous uh, cost attached to this, and so we already started. We had a signing ceremony at, at MetLife. We're looking for sponsorships, and um, I I told everybody there at that meeting. There's no greater. Uh, event or Kiddush Hashem that you could associate yourself with and the CMHS. We're asking everybody to please join us, both the time, ideas, of course, financially on this unbelievable event. You'll never regret it. You're going to look back for generational. You're going to look back generations and say that I was an integral part of doing such an unbelievable event and making such a huge Kiddush Hashem. And, so we're asking everybody out there to please join us and help us as, to, to the best of your ability. And you know how you know that you're right? Because today people still talk about what happened seven, six years ago. That's correct. And not only in the U.S., but everywhere in the world, six years later, people are still saying, wow, what an event. And we're hoping this year only, like I said before, to, to make it only bigger and better and, and even a greater Kiddush Hashem. So uh, thank you, Nachum, for uh, giving me the time to explain. And I'm sure that uh, as we get closer to the CM, either myself or other people on the steering committee will be joining you and, and giving you more details as we go along. Well, all I'll say is Mazel Tov. It's a big Mazel Tov. And Shlaimi Mazel Tov to you and to everybody involved. One one twenty. We will see you there at MetLife Stadium. Welcome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. There he is, Shlaimi Werdiger. He's chairman of the Aguda, of course. And there you have it. They thought this through. I, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on. I thought it was important to just remind the audience that they didn't just make this decision and decide, okay, got a big outdoor stadium in January, let's go for it. They, they thought this through a million times. Every possible option, uh, every possible venue, all the different configurations in terms of different cities participating at once together, and this is what they came up with. And uh, as you see, uh, based in this conversation, or as you heard, based on our conversation already, uh, there are a couple of uh, elements um, that are in place that show us just how uh, calculated and carefully they thought this through. Number one, there really is a bad weather date. There is a provision if the weather will not allow everyone to gather that day at MetLife Stadium. Schleimi mentioned that in the conversation. He also mentioned that um, it will be one of the reasons they chose New Year's Day is a lot of people are off. It gives everyone an opportunity to deal with all the all the different situations in a much easier fashion. So a lot of people have the day off. And then he also mentioned that it will be earlier in the day. So typically, I think they David Mincha last time around at 7 p.m. I'm assuming he means that Mincha this time around, I'm just guessing now, would be 2, 3 o'clock in that area. So you'd have a good shot at least of getting a good part of the program done as it's getting colder and as night is falling compared to, you know, gathering when it's already freezing at night. So all these, I got to give them credit. I got to give them credit. There's a lot of little elements that they've already thought of. Uh, the one thing we didn't hear is that they're actually going to cover the stadium. <laughs> that that we didn't hear. Um, but I guess that would be an impossibility. Um, but other than that, uh, they're going to go ahead and... Uh, and remind everybody to gather on one one twenty January the first, a year from this coming January the first, at 
MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. We've been returned to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how, while our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything and await your warm embrace of full redemption.
איתו, מבלי לחסוך את אהבתו. מושיט את שעוניתו, בכל הפושט ידו. Simcha Liner off of the Project Relax Israeli edition. Oh, out in company before that, we saw El Bil Vavot here at JM in the AM. It's election day. Make sure to vote no matter where you are. Make sure to vote no matter what state in the union you might be in. Believe you me, we've learned one lesson, and that is your vote counts. Our vote counts. Make sure to vote today on election day. I want to thank all of our guests this morning here at JMM. Tomorrow, Eitan Freilich is scheduled to join us. Brand new album. We'll speak with him in the 8 o'clock hour tomorrow. No doubt all the way from England. Coming up, JM Rewind. Our conversation from Israel with Yossi Klein-Alevi, NYPD Chief Terry Monahan, who was with us this past Friday, and Mike Shulman and Jay Kestenbaum, their OHEL visit to JM in the AM. It's all going to be part of JM Rewind coming up next. Don't forget at 11 o'clock, live lunch with Avrami. Make sure to join him. He has a great live lunch planned for this election day. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Tuesday for us here at JMM. Again, go out there and vote on this election day. Make your voices heard. Support the great work of JM and the AM. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and support our work that we do every single day. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>